life, these old hands still. Not quite furioso. Moderato. Potable, perhaps. How could you do Ask the alligator. His blood helped. Then on the diet of the blood of snakes, and all the putrid life of the Mississippi. Slowly, the stat became something like himself again. Claudia, you've been a very, very Welcome back to the show, listeners. Welcome back. Happy October. Spooky season is upon us. We are deep into we the spooky. We are spook. deep in the month. I'm getting a little overwhelmed, but I had to step back this week and just really take in and enjoy the month. Yeah, you know, and we have a really fun episode. Yes, it's been a it's been a warm spooky season, so it's like you can't even really get into it here in Southern California. But you know. We're moving forward. We're going to have a pumpkin cream cold brew tomorrow. Get us into it. Listeners, we've got some late fees. We've got some late fees. Pete, did you remember to return some videos today? Uh, For an episode that we recorded uh, over two years ago? The disc was lost. (laughs) It was in between the couch cushions. I just found it. It'll be cheaper to buy the movie. We owe the the video store a lot of money. Listeners, my name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the, the movies, movies that, that made us gay. Late the edition. Yes, indeed. So, I mean, let's just talk a little bit about late fee edition. I mean, we kind of wanted to revisit this movie. So, we've been talking on the show about maybe re-recording episodes on films that we did a long time ago. I mean, Pete. Yeah. We're over 200 episodes. I can't. We are past <laughs> the time where I think most podcasts... Give up steam. <laughs> give up steam. Lose steam yeah. But we're still going, mama. Yeah, man. And we're, we're I mean, here. we revisit movies a lot. We watch... I mean, I feel like we watch this movie in particular maybe at least once a year. Once every two years, maybe. Uh-huh. So we rewatch oh, no. movies we watch a lot. We watch Interview the Vampire a lot. <laughs> and so I kind of figured that this would be a perfect movie to go back and record another episode for. Yeah, and I mean, in the time that we first reviewed this movie, the series has, the television series has the come on. The television series has come on. We're getting ready for yep. season two. Which I think is going to be next year. Uh, what is it, a and AMC. AMC. The American Movie Classics. Uh, well, TV I series. remember when it was first announced, I think it was announced for Hulu. Okay. And then Hulu dropped it. Okay. And they had to shop it around to other networks. All right. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that uh, this movie is over 25 years old. Yeah. 94. It's going to be... It's going to be 30 It's going to be 30 next year. <laughs> oh, next yep. year. Uh, which is crazy. crazy. And um, does it... Is it... Does it feel... I mean, it's a period movie, so it's kind of like... It's timeless. Do period movies feel dated? Yeah. 
Sure. I would say a period movie from the seventies. You could tell the difference, um, just in the way it's shot and the pacing and all of that. Um, but this being a nineties movie, and now we're coming on thirty years, which oh my god, shoot me. Um, I'm watching it. We're doing the rewatch. I'm thinking, how would they redo this now? How would? But then I was like, oh wait, they did. Oh yeah, they did. They, <laughs> oh wait, they already did. There's a whole. There, and we watched there's a whole it. first season out. <laughs> yep. Okay. Now, well, listeners, full disclosure. We have three episodes left of the, yeah. <laughs> of the we, AMC show. We like to we like to put okay. So this is what I do with the crown, and I that, think a lot of people do this. So to I be fair. I do this a lot with te- with television shows. I do uh-huh. it for the crown uh-huh. that I will watch almost the entire thing, and then I'll hold off until probably the last two or three episodes. Yeah, and then I'll watch them as soon as the next season's going to be coming out. But that kind of gets me fucked up because then we go yeah. back into it and I'm like, where are we? What happened? Yeah. Who, who's who's this? And there's like one episode left. But um, I feel like we know Interview with the Vampire pretty well that we... I think we can jump back in and it al- won't be a big deal. Although, the, I mean, this show is... A, it's following the book a little bit more accurately, but then B, it's also kind of doing its own thing. Yeah, which I, so, which I love. Yeah. And the crazy part about it is and we'll talk about it with this movie, is that there's, you know, however many episodes in the first season, eight, ten, whatever, what have you. And, bitch, we're not even... It's not even half of the movie. No. It's the first hour. And it's... When we were watching last night, and you press pause when um, Lestat... Uh, when they when they run away from Lestat at uh-huh. the piano, and I uh-huh. think it's a little, it's about an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are, let's see, seven episodes in season one. Seven hours of content, and it is, and it covers roughly the first hour of the movie, which I love because I mean, <laughs> there's definitely the content there. Yes, like I mean, oh. there's room to explore oh, the with these characters. Is there, and um, that's the thing that I really kind of because the show was really able to explore a lot of things that the that the movie didn't. It wasn't able to, as we were watching the movie to prep for this for the first time in a long time i was like damn they got this show on the road yeah like this is we happening. can't we can't waste any time yeah. baby <laughs> no and Lestat every, meets louis in like the first like six minutes and every little plot point it's like and he turns him into a vampire tomorrow and then they yeah. get claudia the next day we got to get this and then we got to get the Paris shit moving that day yeah. after that yeah it's like boom 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 and i mean granted in the, even in the movie they're like and years have gone by and now mm-hmm. claudia is a 40 year old woman and all so they kind of explain that to you in like uh, exposition or whatever but um the way it's presented in the movie, it, it it does kind of go by so quickly. And and the thing is, I, I I would not say that Interview with the Vampire is unfilmable because they are really doing a great job of it with the TV series. I would say that it's more adaptable than her other books. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's the it's the most like linear yeah. story. Even with the vampire Lestat, he's kind of all over the place, and it's such a huge sprawling story. Um. But yeah, uh, I, I think that the, that this movie do, for for a movie in the '90s that is adapting this uh, you know this property um, because I feel like the whole cable miniseries yeah. limited series situation was not really. I mean, in the in the '90s, it was literally called a what, miniseries. What do you think of cable? Mi- I mean, th- it would probably be for like. 
a three night event on NBC or something. That's what I'm saying. What would that would have looked like? That would I'm saying in the early nineties. It would have it would have been it would have been with like the dad from Step by Step or something. It would have you know sure like, <laughs> it's like Patrick Duffy. <laughs> yeah, it would have been Patrick Patrick, Duff- Patrick Duffy as Louis. Yes. Who would have been Who would have been Lestat? I don't in, know. In 1994 for an ABC three night event, would it be like Ricky Schroeder. Oh God, oh they <laughs> wish, but Ricky Schroeder would have lobby hard. Because I mean, he would have yeah. been like a, a young actor at the time. Well, he, it would have been a big comeback for him because he wouldn't. He wasn't really. No, I, I feel like Ricky Schroeder and, and Blue. Patrick Duffy. There's probably a pretty. There's big too age. big of an age. There's it, too big of an age difference. It wouldn't there. really have been Patrick Duffy, but it would. You know, it would have been like I don't know, like I don't DJ's boyfriend from Full House. I sure, know. I don't know, but um, uh, well, they okay. Like if they're gonna do like an it style. Because that's because that that's sure. a good example, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It is a property that is hard R if you're going to do a movie, and they and they turned it yeah. into a network miniseries, two nights, four hours. Hey, and it worked. Corny, yes. Even at the time, yes, it has its moments. <laughs> yep, um, but successful and and cult classic, and people love it. So could it have been done? I mean, I guess so. You know. Um, yeah, would we, I mean, is, is John Ritter is like the vampire Armand? I mean, they still probably could have got Kiki. As oh, Claudia, sure. Oh, yeah. She yes. was just a she working, was working in, she was she was a working kid working actor in the early nineties. So yeah, TV miniseries mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. In the nineties, you weren't getting these cable limited series seven episodes no way you know you would get an ABC NBC CBS two three night event North and South Roots. These big, these big book series. The Jackie Collins, yep. they did, mm-hmm. you know, Lucky Chances, you know, Lucky Santangelo, like they did all Nicolette Sheridan. Um, they did a lot of those, um, you know, the Jackie Collins books. Um, yeah, things like that, Roots, of course. Um, and it was a big one. And then and then I think ABC did, a, in the 90s, that's when they started doing, like, they did the Langoliers, they did the, the Stand, Thornbirds um, was a big event in the eighties. Yeah, Thornbirds. I mean, yeah, and that was a huge bestseller mm-hmm. too. And I'm sure that it was talked about to do this for television. Sure, but I think that David Geffen just really—it was just a big passion for him at Warner—is that he wanted to make an interview with the vampire a proper movie. Right. That's the thing is that I was thinking, and, and Salem's yeah. Lot is a vampire, you know project and that was a television miniseries as well so it's not like it would be unheard of to do a horror you know thing but i i I agree and i think that the powers that be were like this one's too big this one's this one's got to be theatrical i mean i was and pardon me Mm -hmm. listeners i am coming i am uh coming off of a cold so he has a box of tissues i have a box of tissues right next to me and it may sound a little bit more like lestat after he got burned up in the fire tom cruise nasal issues he just always sounds like he has a cold Ever notice that? No, I've never noticed. Oh that. yeah, he always sounds like he has a cold. To me, at least. Okay, listeners, let's hear your thoughts. Um, but yeah, I think I think theatrical was kind of where they wanted to go. They were trying to treat this as kind of a prestige well, project. I was thinking when watching it last night of that this was definitely unprecedented ground for a major movie, a major genre movie about vampires. I mean, this had mm-hmm. probably a budget of 
$80 million for the early 90s. David Geffen, definitely like a big wig at Warner at the time. And I read an interesting quote from Neil Jordan today where he said, it's not very often that you can make a complicated, dark, dangerous movie and get a budget for it. Vampire movies were traditionally made at lower end of the scale on a shoestring on rudimentary sets. David Geffen is very powerful and he poured money into interview. I wanted to make it on an epic scale, like something like Gone with the Wind. Well, I think they succeeded. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, this is a movie, darling. Yeah, and it's and it has, uh, it is on an epic scale, and there's like, you know, sweeping shots and very iconic shots. And, and I think just by virtue of getting Tommy to, to, to sure. be part of this, I think it's really gone down in history. Especially as, as Tom at that time, oh, yeah. in the early 90s. Oh, yeah. I mean, he would have been coming right off of stuff like The Firm. Mm-hmm. I think that A Few Good Men would have been made relatively back-to-back with this forum, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, I mean, just a cr- like, still to this day, crazy choice. His Oscar nomination for like Born on the Fourth of July. Uh-huh. Very interesting choice that we talked about that on our original episode that outraged a lot of fans, yeah. a lot of critics, including Anne Rice. Right. And we all ate our words for all of that. Well, okay. And then now we have, um, in the television series, you have uh, Lestat, who is actually played by an actual French person. <laughs> um, Sam Reed is actually Australian, but um, I think he's really good. He's he, I really like his Lestat. He's actually Australian, but he does the entire performance of the French accent, and it's a to, to me an American person for me. I'm like, hey, work. That sounds like a French accent to me. Um, you know, Tom is Tom. Tommy's doing just a kind of like standard British kind of accent, uh, aristocratic yeah. kind of thing. Tom and period movies, um, the accent doesn't always work. Right. When you watch something like Far and Away, and it just kind of turns into... Oh, well, he's doing Lucky Charms. The Lucky Charms Irishman. Far and Away, yep. yeah. Um, and that's the thing. Irish is a lot more nuanced than just a, f- a standard kind of... Uh, mid-Atlantic thing that he's or uh, society accent that he's doing in this movie and so maybe he wasn't able to get the you know the, the ins and outs and then it just turn, kind of turned into a parody um, but I but you know when it gets down to the character uh, Lestat is is French he's a French nobleman that now also listeners you're welcome we immediately watched Queen of the Damned as soon as okay, we so okay, so here's so here's my thing. So now we've got three Lasats that we can like. Sure. So we of. can we can break them all down. Okay. Yeah. So here's my thing about choosing this movie to do a revisit for, uh-huh. and I feel like Interview with the Vampire just has such a special and unique place with the gay community that I think right. that it's material that deserves to have just kind of another look at. And maybe that's why this would have been uh, too risque for a network miniseries. Maybe ABC or NBC would have been like, we're not touching that. It didn't get past. This is clearly two gay dudes having a kid, you know? Um, So, yeah, I think that that could have, that could possibly be, you know, reasoning why it it didn't make it for for television at the time. But, yeah, I mean, it definitely... um, has has kind of that that recognition 
for you know for 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 what what the story for that the allegory thinly veiled <laughs> you know thinly veiled as it is but. i mean you say fi- thinly veiled when you watch this movie but then you get to the last like the later half of this movie no that's what where i'm they saying introduce like Armand they're, they're not, and, they're yeah. not hiding anything <laughs> they're not hiding anything like you almost think they're just gonna kiss yeah well i think and i think that that's brad you know i think that that's uh, and a little antonio too it's it's the 90s, so it's still brave, air quotes, for straight actors to play gay. It still has a little bit of, like, street cred. It still has a little bit of, like, ooh, can you, do you, you know, like, do you know what I mean? So I think yeah, Brad no, was I just, like, I'm... Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise, but I'm like the new generation well, especially, of cool guy actors, and I'll go there. And especially when you're acting with somebody like Antonio Banderas, who's from Europe, he's from Spain. <laughs> I mean, he came from making movies with Almodovar. Yeah, too. Exactly. So he was just like, so he's he's kissed his fair share. He's like, dudes. well, well, fuck yeah, I'm game. Yeah, <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, we talk we talk a lot about it in the in our original episode we we're definitely going to talk about it here but it's just uh you know it's just that thing of this is this is the story that sh- that Anne Rice is telling and it's about this you know this family unit of the three of them and and um I think even at the time and you know when I was reading it in high school in in 1993 I think I started reading it to prepare for the movie. Uh, my sister was a huge fan, and I, you know, was just like, okay, and I and I and I read the books, and I don't know. I don't think that like Entertainment Weekly is like, oh, and by the way, if you didn't, if you couldn't already tell, like this is what the subtext is. I don't think that like the major like news outlets were really kind of talking about it. Sure. Right. Um, do you still have those paperbacks over on the shelf that you read in high school? Probably. I mean, I okay. don't think I would have gotten rid of them. My paperbacks were really random looking. Like, they were really weird prints. My sister had, like, the OG ones. Like, hers was, the interview was gold, and the, and the typeface was red, and it was, like, that, like, gothic print. And then the, her Lestat was red, and the typeface was silver. Um, but then I got, because hers were, like, falling By the time I, like, read them, they were, like, falling apart. So I bought a new set. And they were always such cool covers when I would see them at the grocery store when you could browse <laughs> books. I remember the interview. It was the it was the plantation mm-hmm. house, and it was it's just blue. And there's a little picture of the. Is there like a little house. light on in a bedroom? Oh, maybe. I and I think that the Queen of the Damned one. I think that one's green. It was uh, those houses in San Francisco. Mm, okay, mm-hmm. like the Victorian houses. The Victorian houses. Sure, sure. They're definitely a mood. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I feel like my sister was 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 the one person who originally was like, "Well, you know, this is kind of what's going on here," in 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 that story. And I was like, "Well, I'll be damned." I, you, you know what's <laughs> funny is that I talk about watching this movie very very young. Yeah, and uh, my mom sometimes listens to this show. And I got a angry phone call from my mom. I know that she was joking, but I think that she took a little personal that I said that I watched this movie very young. And maybe at a time when 
things weren't quite being monitored as they should of what kids should be watching, as with kind of all kids. Oh, but we all say age. that, and I don't think any of yeah. us are trying to throw our parents under the bus. We're just like, we found ways to watch this shit. You yeah. know, we found ways to you know with v- people have. VCRs and TVs and like if every you're listening, room of the mom, house. If you're listening, mom, I didn't mean to throw you under the bus. <laughs> but yeah, but just definitely watching this crazy movie <laughs> yeah. at a young age. I mean, stuff like that wasn't going through my kid brain at the time. No, yeah. I don't think that I really caught on to that until I watched it in college. Uh-huh. And I could kind of put all of these weird elements together that... Louis and Lestat are this are this couple. I feel like in the movie he kind of says it. I feel like Lestat sure. like lays it all out. He's like, "Well, you can't leave me now, bitch. We yeah. got a kid. What you gonna do about it?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, I I th- I think it's pretty. Yeah, I think Lestat really just like says it. A I mean, maybe of times. it's just kind of when me watching this when I was younger mm-hmm. that I just really took that bond that they had of that he made he made Louis. So it's just like you just really take that bond so literal that like they are they are connected mm-hmm. too. Well, I think in any other story and any other movie it would have been a, it would have been like a man and a woman. Yeah. You know, and it's just that that's not the story that she wrote, you know. Um yeah, and and that's the thing. It's like you see you see sometimes like like let's just say it was written that it was another in another universe someone else wrote an interview with the vampire and and Louis is a, f- a female character, right? And well, there's that whole story with um, Cher too, oh, early in pre-production <laughs> oh, that Jesus. they were thinking about gender swapping one of them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yep. So you know, so let's say Louis is written as a as a female character, you know, and it's like stuff like that. If that were to happen, I I would I would. Just like you watch it, and I'm and I would think to myself, like, I'm so sure, like, it, it has to be this romantic, you know, relationship or whatever. Like, what would, what if that, what if it was just, um, an, what if the female character was a man? Would, would that other character be treating them this way? And that's the thing. It's like Anne Rice wrote it, like, yeah, it's going to be two guys, and it's going to be the story that you would expect you know, in like a straight male female relationship, but it's just gonna be with, with these two male characters. Why not? Why yeah. not? You know? And that's another that's another thing that's explored later in the Vampire Chronicles. And that's the way my sister explained it to me when I was fifteen or whatever reading this, that, you know, these vampires have been four hundred, five hundred years old. So at that point in their existence, you know, they're not really concerned with gender or whatever. Sure. Well, I also, well, I also think when you look at the character of Lestat, of why he tracks down Louis, uh-huh. is that he is pretty much marrying for money. <laughs> like, he sees that Louis yeah. has yeah. money, he has real estate, yeah. and that's what Lestat needs in his life, is that he needs security. Right. And he needs to find that through a man, right. too. Right, because we find out that Lestat kind of, um, 
he was like an aristocrat in France, but like he kind of lost all that when he did. How long has he been in America? Not very long. Okay. Not very long. I was when, I, that. when I went in and I started looking at the timeline and everything, not very long. Can, I don't I mean, think he's even been a vampire for very long. Can you remember his his birth date off the top of your head no. when looking at that article? No. I want to say they list a date on Queen of the Damned, and I can't remember what it was when he's. And turned. that's the thing. I think that that like the fictional character biography. I think he was only born in like the early like 1700s. And like he meets sure. Louis in like 1791. Well, it also isn't Anne Rice somebody that sort of fiddles with her canon as oh, she's man. writing it too? I'm sure she does. So, yeah. I mean, it probably just evolves with what book you're reading. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe that's less important. But but no, you're right. I think, you know, when he is in the when he is in, in America, I think he definitely does latch on to Louis because he's, you know, he's a property owner and all that. And at that time, that's, you know, that's what you need that's to That's also explored a little more Louis. in the book, as I remember, uh-huh. where uh-huh. he's living at um, Louis' house. Yeah, yeah. And they do kind of take their time more with that in the TV series of them living in, in Louisiana. Whose father is around in the book? Is it is it Lestat's? No, I don't believe Somebody's so. Somebody's father is there. I can't remember who. I don't know. Maybe it's, I would imagine it would be Louis. Sure. I don't remember. We'll look that up. But yeah, I mean, the, what you really get from this movie, and I don't know, something about the way I watched it this time, um... Is you just get this super dysfunctional relationship. I mean, with yeah. all of them, even mm-hmm. even with Claudia and Louis, you know, because I guess the whole thing is that you know Claudia and Louis like they want to stay together and like she, you know she really. But the I don't know. Watching it last night, I was like, oh, she fucking hates him too. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's you know it's just a it's just this very dysfunctional family, and it's like they've. I think the three of them had only been together. I think Claudia was only like probably 35 or 40 years um, that she was with them. So they turned Claudia when she was probably around eight? No, five. five. Oh, my God, five. Yeah. In the book, yeah. That's young. She's like a, she's like a toddler, yeah. Because it's like, Kirsten's <laughs> probably like no, Kirsten was 10 11. or 11, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe 10 when she was cast and then 11 when, yeah. when it was shot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, five, that's young. Yeah. And then in the show, they age her up. She's a full teenager in the show. Which I think kind of hits a little different. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, any kind of young age. Like I mean, that. I see just probably logistics about working with a five-year-old yeah, with yeah, material like this that you, you really yeah. can't do yeah. stuff like this. And Neil Jordan talked about when casting Kirsten that he didn't want a child actress. He, no. he wanted like a proper actor. Yeah. When finding this role. Yeah. Like he wanted someone that could understand the material. Cause she's got some good lines. They've got she's got some really good scenes and she's throwing it out there. What are some of your favorite Claudia moments? <laughs> I mean just her like her bitch fights. You know, when she just grabs those scissors and just her like, hissy fit when she slashes them across the face. When she cuts her hair. And I hate you both uh, love I it. love that look that <laughs> I love that look that Tom gives her when he when he cuts her face or when, when he cuts, cuts his face when she cuts his face yep yeah yeah no um yeah she's she's just re- and for being you know 10 or 11 years old it's like holy shit you know um but yeah this entire family is dysfunctional they need I mean they need they need Jada and that red table 
I was going to say, who used to be on OWN, Fix My Life? A Yanla. They need a Yanla to fix their life. They need Jada Pinkett with the Red Table Talk. They need all of it. They need to sit down. Not on my watch. Yanla Fix My Life would definitely um, do some damage with. Uh, she could probably <laughs> read the stats of filth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yanla Vincent, if we you're were, listening. We were trying to find the. Oprah interview, the famous right. Oprah interview right. with Tom Cruise, yeah. but I think that Oprah's people have had it scrubbed from the internet. But <laughs> all I can find is just Mario on uh, Lopez, Mario Lopez on Extra, just yeah. like asking her about it, and it's it's like they're showing like Tom is doing press for the Mummy, and they ask him about it. It's very weird. I was trying to find the original interview, and I couldn't find it. Right, where Oprah famously well, um, walked Oprah's out. Not the, there's not a thing on YouTube like with the Rosie O'Donnell show where there's like an archive. I think Oprah and Harpo really are meticulous about going in and pulling down people's. You know, there is no full episode of Oprah we on found, YouTube. We found the Titanic one. Um, but uh, and that was one episode out of twenty five years of shows that she did. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and it's, on that it's, shit. it's an it's an episode where you know she she would do the Oprah show. People remember it differently um, than what it was. I feel like in the very early years, it was like the married with children, like kind of tabloid Jenny Jones kind of thing. It's more like Sally. But after a while, it turns into a prestigious, like... Human interest. Kind of, yeah, human interest I would show. always get excited when they would talk about movies. And every and now have and actors then, on. for a really big movie, she would have the actors on. And then it got to a point where, for a really big movie, like Interview with the Vampire and, and Tom Cruise and, and, and Brad was probably on as well, they would show the audience the movie in a private screening. And then they would tape the episode. Mm-hmm. And what scene do you famously, think Oprah walked out on? Oh, she says it. The very beginning of the movie. When he bites Louie and they're like flying up in the air. That scene's like the pirate ship. Yeah. I love that scene. Um it's like the first scene of the movie. Yeah. It's a great scene. It, all he does is kill a hooker. Closest thing that we no, see. He kills the he kills the guy, which I'm assuming is a pimp, that pulls out the knife. Gets that guy, breaks his neck, then grabs a hooker, bites her, throws her down, then grabs Brad and bites his neck, and they like fly up in the air. Is it the cl- and it's the closest thing that we see him flying in right. this movie, right? Too. Right. And it is at this point that Oprah says, "No, I'm good," and walks out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Now her thing is that she doesn't like horror movies; too scary. I mean, I guess that's I guess that scene was scary. <laughs> But it's like not even the worst part of the movie. Tom was laughing about it when he was being asked about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that was the thing. She was like, "I didn't finish it, you know, whatever, blah blah blah." But you know, she's Oprah and she had them on, and they did the whole they did the whole episode. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of like this famous kind of story about you know Oprah and having these people on, and she's like, "No, I didn't watch your movie. I left. I walked out of my own screening." Um. But you know, Tom. I don't know. Tom will laugh at any. He's just that that maniacal he's, he's Ben that Stiller, like Tom Cruise laugh. That's just mm-hmm. like everything is. He's like the I don't know, like uh, like Amy Poehler's impression of of um, Sharon Stone. Yeah. He just has the best time anywhere he mm-hmm. is. 
Um, so observations when revisiting this movie last night, <laughs> I think the Stan Winston vampire look is so fucking cool. It's amazing. It's we were saying last night too. It's like you had never really seen this kind of take on what a vampire would look like, right? And it's you know it's that their veins are kind of showing through their skin. Mm-hmm. It's this very cool, very uh, recognizable look. And we're like, you've never seen it before. And I was like, you know, and I don't think we'll ever see it again no. because no one would dare immediately if you do it. You're copying, copying this movie. So, but it's such a cool look, and I feel like it kind of should be what vampires look like, but nobody, they didn't even do it in Queen of the Damned, you know? Yeah. Because obviously they didn't get Stan Winston for that. And you were talking about with Queen of the Damned, and they kind of do it with Aaliyah when she's playing Akasha, that black vampires almost glow, which is really interesting. She's She said that they look more, well, because with, I guess, just, Caucasian vampires and, and I guess mostly European vampires is what she kind of covered in the books. She just always described them as being just white. Yeah. White like paper, like like, you know, Snow Queen kind of thing. Um but whenever she, she described black vampires and especially in Queen of the Damned, the she said that they um they were almost Gold that they wouldn't go pale white, that they looked that they looked gold, and that they that they did do that with Aaliyah. Um, her skin her skin was gold, but that was it. And then when she was a statue, they just kind of made her look like marble. Yeah. She had like marble veins going through her, but not like veins like. And she's actually inside the statue. It's her, like it's her it's body. Her. It's her skin, like turned into marble. Gotcha. Yeah. I didn't get that. I know. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, it's yeah. That's the thing about when doing Queen of the Damned, or like, I mean, when we watch Queen of the Damned, that I've always toyed, but I always want to, I want to discuss Anne Rice more on the show. Uh-huh. Should we just do a Queen of the Damned episode? And we watched it back to back. Yeah. And that movie is a mess. Oh, mama. We can discuss that later. <laughs> we, let's let's focus on interview for right now. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, the look of the vampires, it's so fucking cool with all of the veins. Yeah. It's I mean, I think I that, wish they cried tears of blood. Sure. But, you know. That would have been that would have been cool. Yeah. Um it's something that they probably did with Christopher Lee of the Angry Eyes. But I think it's oh, sure. I think it's super effective in this movie when you right, see right. Louis and Lestat when they're angry. Yeah. That, well, I think contact lens technology, yeah. frankly, in the sixties, it was probably just like hand painted on hard plastic, you know, that they shoved in these people's eyes. <laughs> Christopher Lee was probably blinded, you know. But in you know, by the time the nineties came around, they were able to come, you know, have a little bit more nicely. And they also done. do that thing where I think that it's one of Tom Cruise's many hissy fits in the first <laughs> half of this movie of when he's yelling at Louis that he has the angry eyes uh-huh. and then he's laughing like twenty seconds later. Right. And it's gone. Right. Well, and that's also yeah. Lestat, though, as a character. It's just very, like, antagonistic with Louis, just very much like, oh, you're mad? You're so mad. You're so mad right now. You know? And I think that's just Lestat just being a, just being a dick, you know? Because that's just his character. I love that moment when the house is burning down and Lestat jumps through the window. Yeah. 
and he has his little hissy just fit. Great, perfect. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> just burn it all. Yeah, it's like you are burning our house, yeah. dude. Yeah, and that's the thing too. He's like, Art, look at all of our shit, and it's like our shit. Like, dude, this is not your house, sir. This is his house. This is his shit. Like, <laughs> what in here is yours? Mm-hmm. Here, take this box and put all your stuff in it. <laughs> um, but that's just the way Le- the way Lestat like refers to their stuff. At that point, he's just like, "This is this is our house. This, this is our where lives. we live." Yep. Yeah, and so, but it's just another thing. It's just like, yeah, this is their relationship. This is the life that they have built, and that they, you know that they're living out. It's kind of wild. They look like they're having a good time. You know? I think that I would be into being Lestat's boyfriend. They get to go out in the town <laughs> as bachelors when they go to that party <laughs> and they're um they're tracking down that older lady and her um and and her little gigolo. And her little gigolo. Uh-huh. That and, scene. And her little her little puppies. That scene with Lestat. In that, I mean, I think that is the closest that, that you're gonna get Tom Cruise of just like, all right, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this scene. That's all you're gonna get. Put my hand on this boy's face, and that's it. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, that's. I mean, I remember at the time being, you know, 15, and the movie came out, and just like, wow, I cannot believe I'm seeing this in a like mainstream movie right now. We're seeing some like cruising. Yeah, you know, um, progressive, I guess. I, you know, Louis still uptight at this point. I, it's interesting because, you know, the whole character beat of Louis being like, uh, what are their names in Twilight? Edward. What is the family? The Collins. The Collins. That Lou. That that Louis kind of like trying to be like a Cullen, like, okay, I'll eat this deer. Yeah. But I'm not gonna eat people because, you know, I don't I don't do that. Um and that's like this bead and Lestat's like, oh get over yourself. Just like eat this hooker. Who Does cares? she keep that character trait throughout all of the books? No, how much of this is what I'm this is what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's a, it's his it's his moment at the very beginning of the relationship. Yeah. But by the time Claudia comes around, Lestat makes a joke about it. And Claudia's like, what the hell are you talking about? Rats? Yeah. What? And Louis's like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, they're gross. But, you know, that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So I think later on, we're kind of to understand that, like, he kind of got over himself. Yeah. Especially with Claudia, because as a child... Especially w- when, you're, when you're caring for a growing daughter. Yeah. Um so, but I think that that is probably covered a little bit more in depth than about a hit, you know this this character trait of his. But in the in the book in the movie, it's a little bit more like you, you kind of leave it to to Claudia to be like, well, "What are you talking about?" I could and see. Kind of move on. I could see the character also just sort of having a more of a moral code of the type of people that he kills too. Right, right. Um, and I think I think that happens with Lestat later on in some other books, but you know, whatever. Uh, later on, when. Claudia does kind of, just speaking of kind of this like familial dynamic and this relationship that, dynamic that they have. There's a scene, and you know Brad Pitt does a lot of voiceover in this movie. Yeah, because you know it's it's the inter it's the it's, it's in the, the text. interview you it's know the interview and and also listeners it's interview with the vampire not a vampire not a vampire he is the vampire um, 
and he's the vampire that's being interviewed. So he's given the vo- he's given the, the VO, and he's talking about Claudia, and she and in the scene, she is having a dress made, and she's standing like on a stool, and the like seamstress is like, ah, I need more light, like I can't see, like it's too late, we gotta do this during the day, like blah blah blah, and Brad is talking, is doing VO over this, but we can still kind of hear the characters talking, right? And you see Claudia, and she's standing there, and, and it's focused. She's the center of the shot. The seamstress is down on her knees, and it's kind of zooming in on the seamstress yeah. and going to, to go on what's going on because Claudia eventually like eats her. But as, as it's happening and as it's zooming in to the right, and they're in the frame, but it's like not really the focus of the frame, Louis and Lestat are just having an argument. And they're just like fighting, bickering, and then <laughs> who knows over what. <laughs> and then, well, they leave and they come back, and Louis has two, two, um, like lamps, like torches, to bring into the lady so she can see better. But they're just arguing about like I don't know, like she fucking needs more light, so let's just go, you know. Do whatever the fuck. Do you know where they are? You know, uh, yeah. Where the where the tent? Well, we have more candles. Let's just where'd go you get put them? them? Shut up. Yeah, and they're just having this fight, and I'm just and I'm watching it. I'm just like, oh my god, just the two of them like fighting in the background is kind of amazing. <laughs> kind of a funny little beat because we're supposed to focus on like, oh, Claudia's gonna eat this lady, then she does, and, and it's kind <laughs> of interesting with the material of just sort of tortured vampires living in their own personal hell forever on earth. And for these two, they're stuck in this marriage with each other. <laughs> yeah. It kind of reminds me of the two gay characters in the season of Murder House. Of oh, sure. What their kind of version of hell would is just <laughs> living in this house with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and then the other thing, too, is that what we, you know, what we don't find out until later on is that like they don't have to be tied to each other like Lestat is holding a lot of information from the two of them like Mm -hmm. they could just leave and find you know there are other vampires in the world they're not the only two like um, Lestat's trying to make his own personal island with both of them yeah yeah, and um, so, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, like, psychological stuff going on about, you know, him. I don't know. I don't know how to diagnose it, but, you know, they they, they are, they are you know, um, they do feel like they're trapped and they do feel like they're, you know, the only way out is, like, extreme measures that kind of Claudia takes into her own hands. <laughs> yes. I love but. that scene where she shows Lestat the two twins. Yeah, it's her peace offering mm-hmm. um, after the after their little fight. Um, yeah, that's a great scene. Um, but yeah, at this point, we kind of this is when we kind of ha- understand that Claudia has. It's been yes many years. It's been decades, and she still looks she still looks like a child. But at this point, she's just like I think she's like thirty in her thirties or forties, and she's mm-hmm. just like we gotta get the hell out of here. Like, come on. When Lestat drinks the dead blood of those children, that animatronic. 
It's still. It's hard to believe that it's, that's a puppet. It's still impressive. It's hard to believe that that's that a puppet. puppet. It's, it's so crazy. cool. I want to say that there's a special feature on the DVDs where they go into making that scene. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's probably sweetened up a little bit, um, but it's looks fucking great. I mean, there's probably a shot where it goes from. There's a shot where it goes from Tom's face to the puppet. Sure. Yeah. 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 Like it's it, it's kind of like a subtle cut. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Stan Winston, man, some good shit. <laughs> um, but you know, the I don't remember how long the book. I don't think it's that long. You know, it's probably like six, seven hundred pages. I I can't imagine it's like I don't think the book's that a long. thousand pages. No. Like you know, some Game of Thrones. I think it's probably about nonsense. a little under four. Yeah, um, but you know, that's that's still a lot of material, and. Um, I think that the movie. I mean, now it's been probably twenty five years since I've since I've read the book, so I feel like that's that counts as me kind of coming in fresh, <laughs> you know. So, and but I do think that the movie does a fair yeah job in kind of explaining it's this pretty world, serviceable. yeah, you know, explain the world that they live in, the rules of these vampires. You know, we use the interview to kind of talk about, you know, what their rules are that, they, you know, they, they, you know, die in the sun and, you know, but crucifixes, uh, that's, that's not true. And what did he, how does he, he talks about Bram Stoker's of the ramblings of an Irishman, a drunken Irish, a drunken Irishman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's very quite, um, fond of crosses. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, something in the book that she kind of like at the very beginning, I do remember this where she kind of talks about how they can move so fast that like humans can't see them and all that. And it's interesting. You get a little bit of it. The way that they do it in the movie, it's just cuts. Yeah. Just edits. They really don't do anything with like effects until way later in the movie with the Paris vampires. And Stephen Ray does a thing where he like, yeah, goes from one side of Louis to the other really fast. But for the most part, at that scene with 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 Daniel, the interviewer, it's just cuts. Mm-hmm. It's just fancy editing. And he's like, "Oh, I'm over here," you know. Um, I love the sound effect when um, Louis or uh, Lestat bites someone. It's that like hissing sound. Mm-hmm. That. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, in Queen of the Damned, which was done like you know how many however many years later. They did a lot of like blurring effects to make the vampires look like they're running really fast. It does not look good. <laughs> it did, like years later, they're like, "Oh, every time a vampire moved fast, they showed it on screen, and Our, they did a blur, um, and it was like, oh, this is bad. Girl. I mean, this does not look good. Lestat flying, just stick with the cuts. Yeah, yeah, the, all the vampires flying in Queen of the Damned is wild. Um." Yeah, I mean, I think the effects that they did in this one to when they got into their little fight, Louis and Lestat, when they were hanging out with the rich lady and the and her little, and her little fop. Louis and Lestat got into a little fight and they're like swinging each other around. Mm-hmm. It's just strings. They're just on, you know, it's just wire work. Yeah, nothing too fancy. They didn't do any sort of like digital like, kind of like, sweetening it up or anything, and effective. Yeah, I think it's still effective. Still Neil Jordan kind of cool. knew that they didn't need it. 
Yeah. Um, okay. So Neil Jordan's coming off the crane game. Huge hit. Right. That we kind of forget just how big of a crossover hit that was for American audiences. Right. Like it made decent money. Right. Um, very zeitgeisty that everybody was talking about. Well, the big twist of that movie. The twist. And it's interesting when, because I remember right before we recorded our first episode on interview that I watched The Crying Game for the first time. And it's fascinating to watch that movie now because I think that there's just... Like, this is just an IRA movie. That it's it's an IRA movie, <laughs> but I was what I was going for is that, well, which I didn't quite, quite know that it was like about the IRA. Yeah, watching that's it too, Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. But I think that just the trans conversation right. is so different now that when you look at Jay Davidson's character, like even if you did not know the twist, you just kind of know. Right. Just because I think that these people are a little more visible in society now as they were uh-huh. in the early 90s uh-huh. too. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, that's a, that's a thing about the about the crying game is that the the movie the story of the movie kind of was overshadowed by this one beat yeah. of you know of these characters and um and yeah when you do watch it you're like oh this is about the IRA <laughs> I thought it was like this psychosexual like love story <laughs> or whatever and you're like oh that's just like oh a scene in, the, in this movie um. Okay, so Neil Jordan is Neil Jordan Irish? Yeah. Okay. And uh, you know, um Brad, I think, at this point in his career was just kind of, I don't know, not a big get, but just like cool young actor, I think that he would have like, made this back to back with a river runs through it and Legends of the Fall. I right. think that he probably did Legends of the Fall after. Um and then you know Antonio is somebody that, like you said, he's he had been with working with Almodovar. This is the same year uh, Antonio did Philadelphia, so this is kind of a big year for him in America. Uh-huh. It was ninety four. Uh huh. Playing these playing these queer roles, but yeah, I I still think that the that the casting of the European vampires, the Paris vampires, I don't know. Not my favorite. I love, elaborate. I love Antonio, but you know, especially when you d- coming. F- that was one thing from reading the book that I was like, "This is this is wrong." And uh, Neil Jordan cast Stephen Ray just because he had worked with him. I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, how is the character written in the book? Like, I, how is he I, described? The Santiago character. Uh, that's one that I do not really remember too well um, uh, about the the Stephen Ray character Santiago. Um, I think that, you know, there's a scene where we first meet him and he's doing this thing where he's mimicking Louis' walk. And that's dir- the, that's directly from the book. It's the Fred Astaire scene. Um, that's directly from the book uh, where he mimics the walk. I don't remember if he walks on the ceiling, but it's a thing where he was like, you know, kind of mimicking him or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Stephen Ray just looks like some dude. Like, you know what I mean? He's not sexy. No, yeah, he's not. Uh, he just looks like some old guy. Do you know who my favorite of the? I'm like, do you know what? who my favorite of the Parisian vampires is? The head bitch. Yeah, she's the head, awesome. That shot of when they kind yeah. of go down in the catacombs below the theater. She's like, she's lying on her side, and her arm is over her head. Yeah, 
She's doing the most. Very spooky image. She's doing the most. She yeah. She's right in like at the you know, right upstage, like you know, in front of the camera. And she's yeah. She's lounging, just like. Ugh. And yeah, she's the one. She's the one. I that love that she, shot. She, it's time for that for Justice, little one. <laughs> and that's what's really interesting she's about amazing. this section that Claudia and Louis are learning about these kind of these moral codes of vampires that they do not know. Uh-huh. That you do not kill your own kind. And when they look at Claudia, I mean, even more so in the book, when they see somebody five years old of, oh, bitch. Yeah, like, did, is, you, yeah. did you really do that to, like she, they, to a five-year-old? They call her an abomination. You yeah. know, she's like, she's an abomination. And they're, they're right away like, this is not right. Um, and it is, it is a little bit more explicitly kind of talked about how certain vampires have certain things that they can do that others can't and that's why early on Lestat's like oh oh read her thoughts and Louis's like I can't read her thoughts but Lestat doesn't know that Louis can't he just yeah. thinks I can so everybody can or every and vampire can. remind me what are Louis's like vampire superpowers I don't remember that he has anything specific like that it's I don't think it's like Twilight where it's like and I've got the power of like love and I can make a shield around my daughter you know how they had those they're like psychic and all that stuff yeah um or i mean bella's was the vampire bill can famously well i think a lot of the uh i forget who wrote the true blood books uh charlene harris or something a lot of the true blood vampires can read minds but they can't read sookie's mind right because she's a fairy because she's part fairy (laughs) true blood okay there was a show that I fell for that show so fucking hard in college. Yeah, with yeah. it was me, my friends Anna and Shandy that we fucking flipped for that <laughs> shit. That when season two was airing, that was event television. I right, remember right. EW at that time. I think this was like two thousand nine or so. Uh-huh. They had a whole vampire issue. Oh, of just vampires. They're really hot right oh. now. Twilight, True Blood. Y'all love your Anne Rice books. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't watch it in its first run, and then you introduced it to me, and I got really into it, and I really liked it. Um, I think they had a really good and interesting kind of, like, vampire lore. Yeah. Um, but sim- I, th- I think, you know, similar to similar to Anne Rice vampires or Vampire Chronicles. Uh, I but, tried to do yeah, the books and I couldn't do it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. those are supposedly very different than for the show, right? Um, but, yeah, I think it like in Twilight, it's a thing where they have very specific, like, I can do this and I can do that. And I can, you know. They can go out in the daylight. Chew gum and, like. They can go out in the daylight, which I don't know how I feel about that. walk and chew gum at the same time. No, that's. A, that's My vampires are yeah, under the cover of night. I don't like that. That's dumb. Um, or if you go out in the daylight, you have to have an umbrella. <laughs> At least an umbrella, some sunscreen. Come on. Um, I mean, yeah, they show them in this just as long as the sun doesn't hit them directly. So, I mean, they could probably be awake and like in the house during the day, but sun, no. Louis says that, he's ne- that uh, he hasn't seen the sunrise yeah. since that, yeah. that night that he was turned. Yeah. Um, so I don't recall if Louis has anything specific. I could be very wrong on that, but I don't recall. But I know that specifically. And the thing about Lestat is that, like, his maker is, like, very, very, very old. And then later on, like, he, like, does his thing with Akasha. And um, 
And then after that, he is that is that your Michelle Williams? That's my Michelle Williams. Akasha. Um, do we have security? Uh, then he like the flying thing and all of that. Um, but yeah, Louis Louis cannot read minds, and I don't think Claudia can either. But Armand was able to project his thoughts into Claudia's head. Sure, because she says that. He's going to steal you away from me. Yeah. She says, do you know what he told me without saying a word? And I was like, ooh. <laughs> um, yeah. So he like, he talked to Claudia in, in her in her head when they were in the theater. And, the characterization know. of Armand in the books is so interesting because he's like 16 years old, right? He's a teenager. He's a teenager. He's got light hair and it's curly, not Oh, like wow. Antonio Banderas like, at all. It's not jet black in that Elvira <laughs> no, wig that they put Antonio in. It's not chola hair. No, it's <laughs> not backcombed. It's not a backcombed, teased out chola wig. No. <laughs> With French tips. Not nails. the backcombed chola <laughs> wig on Antonio. I mean, come on. Come on. Yeah, he looks like. He looks like his, his girl gang name. Is, What's his girl gang is name? Lil Sleepy. <laughs> he looks like his girl gang name is Lil Sleepy, and she likes guys who drive white Honda Civics. I love um, all of the shots of all of the vampires' nails in this movie that everybody <laughs> has very beautiful Gen Z acrylics. <laughs> they all have these mm-hmm. French tips. Yeah, to me, the Paris vampires just seemed a little old. <laughs> Old. <laughs> Old. Yes. Do you want I them mean, to be younger and kind of cooler? Well, yeah, so that's my thing. Yeah. And this was my thing with Lord of the Rings with the elves. I'm like, these bitches are a thousand years old. Why do you have a receding hairline? I can't wait to see how they do it on the on the TV show. <laughs> the Paris vampires? The, yeah, the Paris vampires. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that and that and that Anne Rice did write it this way in the in the books that they're, you know, that like Louis was like 23 and Lestat was like probably like 21 and Armand was fucking 15, (laughs) you know, it's probably a thing that they just didn't trust that they could get actors that age that would be be able to give these performances. Maybe they just really wanted, you know, maybe studio. I think they just really wanted to work with Brad Antonio, you know, he works because he, has an accent. He's foreign. It's a wrong accent, but you know, yeah. <laughs> to an American audience, it's like okay, this is a foreign vampire guy who's like been around. I mean, Armand sounds like a Spanish name, right? I forgot. I forgot in the books where Armand is from, just somewhere in the Mediterranean. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I, that that was just something to me that I've always been like, eh, I don't know about these actors, and the, and and Stephen Ray. I'm just like, he just looks like some old dude. They're supposed to be like these, like be like beautiful. You know, they're the know, cool theater kids. <laughs> oh God. I want to know what is going through these Parisians' minds when they're going to these. Theater, the theater of the vampire. Yeah, and then like, at the end of that like, show, they're just this? like, okay, they just get up and leave. It's all quiet when yeah. they all leave. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. What the hell did you drag me to? I just watch. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, all that's all that stuff is wild. I think that the uh you know, Claudia's scene like in her in the down in the little pit is very like very powerful. Okay, scene. so Love explain it. to me about the character of the woman that she finds that Ma- is Madeline. going to be like essentially like her her caretaker. Right. She because she's like okay, Louis, clearly you and Armand are like hitting it off. Right. We came here to escape, like, America and Lestat and, like, start fresh. And, well, the whole, the other thing, and I think that they talk about it, is that they're looking for other vampires. Yeah. And so what they did was they kind of looked to, like, like literature at the time. Ain't no damn internet or TV or anything. So they're like, okay, let's go to the library. Fuck this shit up. Where are the vampires at? And everything that they found was, like, folklore. So they're like... All right, I guess we're going to damn Transylvania. <laughs> I guess we're going to Romania, and I guess we're so they went to. They went to everywhere where you they would went to think, Eastern Europe. They would, yeah, because you think that you could find them in like, Eastern Europe, Stroganona, Romania, like, yeah. and like Transylvania. Yeah, yeah, um, but except they didn't but, find but anything. The vampire found them. Well, so they didn't find anything there, and then finally they're just like, "You want to go? To, you want to go to Paris?" That'd be fun. A little, a little weekend <laughs> shopping trip, and then they went. Yeah, and so okay. So now it's been like weeks and weeks, and now they found people or whatever. And Claudia's like, "All right, you clearly have, you know, are having this emotional affair with Armand. And what the hell am I going to do? Like, I'm not going to be your third wheel. So, you know, so she finds Madeline. Madeline is this woman who is like, oh, my daughter died." Claudia really reminds me of my daughter, so I will, you know, take care of her and, you know, because she can't, obviously, Claudia can't function on her own as just like a child vampire in the world, right? She's not going to be able to, like, run to house, because that's the thing, you still have to, like, have a place to live, you know, all that. So, okay, so she finds Madeline. Madeline's like, I'm on board, let's do it. So, it takes some talking in... Take some talking to Louie to get him to agree to it. He does. He agrees to it. And the thing is, in the book, with Madeline, it's that she kind of, like, she doesn't turn out right. Like, she doesn't she, quite take to being a vampire. No, she goes a little cuckoo. And they have her, and they spend, like, like weeks or months with her. And she's just kind of goes a little crazy after... The change after she goes through the change of life. The change, yeah. After the change of life, she goes a little crazy, and it's there. It's hard to like control her and tie her down. And Louis just like I don't think it's gonna work. Like you're not gonna be able to like live the two of you on your own. And then they come and get like kidnapped. Yeah, it's not like the very moment after. (laughs) That seems so sad. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. When Louis walks out, and they're just these. These little um, piles of ashes as well, bodies. Well, they're like little statues. I mean, it's very yeah, Pompeii. Yeah, too. they're like these statues of just ash. Mm-hmm. And there's, and if you see it in the movie, there's like there's hair, like yeah. the hair is there. Oh my god, yeah, um, yeah. That's a really good scene. It's very like visually like striking. Um, in the book, they describe it as being like a courtyard. So they're just like outside. Mm-hmm. It's not like a. Like a hole. It's not but like I, a well. But I like that they have this this like pit. Yeah. To punish vampires. Well, my though. thing is like, 
I feel like that small and that deep, there's probably only a certain time of year that the sun would even reach the bottom. Mm-hmm. It's because, like, the angle of, like, the sun. Do you know what sure. I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. A hole like that. The sun would, like, go in and reach, like, the side of the wall. And then Claudia and Madeline are just like, well, okay, we're fine. <laughs> Eternity in a box. Yeah. How Stephen Ray says. Eternity in a box. Eternity in a yeah. box. <laughs> yeah, he's doing a French accent. Um, yeah, that's wild, too. The other thing, that they're just like, well, we're just going to put you in this in this coffin and just, like, I mean, he's only there for like a couple hours. Yeah, yeah. Armand gets him out. Yeah, he gets him out pretty quick. Um, Armand's kind of funny in this movie if you watch him. Because he's being like very dramatic. But there's certain scenes where I'm just like, oh my God. Calm down. <laughs> when, you know, it's just a little, it's just a little, I don't, I don't know. When, when Louis is like, oh, where's Claudine? He's like, oh, I couldn't help her. Antonio's just kind of uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's funny he's not the main focus of the scene it's Louis sure. you're watching Brad but if you look if you wa- if you stay and you watch Antonio in the background he's just like oh he's just like doing these big gestures and stuff I'm like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> acting acting yeah. Tammy Brown. Baba yeah acting, acting. <laughs> teleporters to Mars man um yeah, uh, I, what we noticed last night was something that I guess I don't really think about a lot when we watch this is like, Tommy's only in this movie for an hour. Sure. Tommy. <laughs> this movie's two, over two hours long and Tommy's only in it for an hour. He's in and out, baby. Yeah, it's so wild. I always just I think mean, about it. I mean, like, when you movie. look at our, would you look at the poster of this movie? It's Interview with the Vampire, Yeah. Tom Cruise. Yeah. And I think that it took me a long time to figure out, oh, that's not Brad Pitt. He's not the vampire. <laughs> that's not Brad Pitt on the the vampire. The titular vampire is not the one on the cover. Right. I mean, they knew how to sell it, though. I mean, it's Tom. It's Tom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we opened the episode on Tommy, Can You Hear Me? Uh-huh. From, the, from the musical Tommy. The Who's Tommy. The Who's yeah. Tommy. Do you know that I did not put that together that I always just thought that it was when Rosie would play that on her show when she would talk about my Tommy because you know that Rosie famously had this big crush on Tom Cruise Uh that she always said he just seems like a really sweet guy that you just want him to mow you just want him to mow the yard. Mm-hmm. That's always how she described her relationship with Tom Cruise right. which is which is kind of hilarious because she didn't want to have sex with him because she didn't want to have sex with him yeah uh but I always just thought that was a weird song. Would she from, play like, that a lot? That little sound cue? Yeah, she would Tommy play that. Every, she would play that every single time. Oh. And I don't think I knew it was from Tommy. Okay. I just thought that it was just from this. They got some session singers this, to sing this little bit. Not even that. I just <laughs> thought that it was just from the '60s pop song that I didn't know what it was. Got it. <laughs> you didn't get that as a sound cue, did you? Not just a little bit. Okay. No. I <laughs> you know they put on that episode on YouTube. On Rosie's uh, YouTube page. And it's the Jerry Maguire episode because it's mm. a big deal that Tom Cruise won on the show and Renee Zellweger is there. And she did the interview right before. So you get 96 oh. Renee. Okay. 
That's interesting. I yeah. didn't know that. Um, Rosie tells the story that she first met Tom at the premiere of Malice with Nicole Kidman, and Emilio introduced them. Of oh, Emilio. Oh, you want to meet Tom Cruise? That's funny. Um, I'm looking at the images from this cardboard box DVD. Warner Brothers, <laughs> Warner Brothers baby. With a little plastic snap. When I was hunting for our DVD in the closet, it was kind of hidden behind all these other discs, but I knew that the Warner uh, discs kind of had that weird little plastic thing. Yeah, my Austin Powers one is like this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it was it's, Warner and New Line. It's cardboard, and then there's a little plastic clasp that closes them. I love DVDs with chapters, too. Oh, yeah. I miss that. You gotta have the chapter. Um, chapter titles. I remember That's following, I remember following along that when I would watch this movie in my grandparents' basement on Laserdiscs, uh-huh. on Laserdiscs, that I would follow along with the chapters. You're like, oh, here we are. Here are we are. Alive again in Paris. Yep. A stage spectacle of death. Merciless revenge. Um, okay, so the other thing about Tommy in this movie that we had never seen before: blonde, blonde, yeah, Tom Cruise. Blonde Tom. I mean, I, I mean, he's. I mean, I think that he's gray and collateral, but right. that's the other kind of he's uh, he's blonde hair and color he, that we've they, got for Tom. Um, they tint his eyebrows. Oh, okay. His eyebrows are also blonde. And they give him blue eyes. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Tom Cruise probably has blue eyes. Does he? Tom Cruise fanatics out there. But uh, they're like, I mean, that's the whole thing with their contacts in this. That eyes wide shut. Tom Cruise's eyes are naturally blue. Okay. There's no record of Cruise altering his eye color for any of his movie characters. Okay, whatever. Google. I don't know about that. Uh, but yeah, uh, his, his eyebrows are, are blonde. And, uh, you know, I could very easily see him just being like, I'm not blonde. Like, just give me a brown wig. <laughs> but he went with it because that's how the character is described. I think that would have been mm-hmm. a big, huge thing with, with fans of the book. That been like, I think that would have caused too much of an uproar if he didn't, if he didn't go blonde. But it was, it's a very different look for him. Um, yeah, Tom Cruise. He's an interesting actor that I feel like we give him a lot of shit, but there is a curious intensity about Tom Cruise <laughs> when you put him in a role like Interview with the Vampire or Magnolia or Collateral. That there's kind of an interesting intensity about him, right? Well, it's that you know he's an intense guy. Just he's just fighting off all those thetans with like mm-hmm. all of his like all of his will. Yeah, he just can't have any of those thetans on his body. He's just got to, like, he's got to get rid of them. I tried to watch all of the Mission Impossible movies this year to get ready for um, whatever the fuck that movie was called, and I crapped out after the J.J. Abrams one. Sure. Mm -hmm. I crapped out after MI3. There's a lot. There's There's a lot. Tom, I think, is one of the only ones in this movie that his performance is not, now, I'm not going to say hindered by the by the fangs, but I think You're I can tell. That. I can tell. To me, it sounds like They're so he's got fake teeth, in because his just his mouth, his the you know his dialogue sounded like he was wearing fake teeth. Well, I'm sure that all of this, all of this dialogue had to have been ADR'd. Too. Not hit, or mm-hmm. maybe he wore the fangs in the ADR booth because it still sounded crazy. Um, because 
I don't think Claudia sounded like she didn't sound, you know, um, in uh, Planet of the Apes, Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. I think they looped a lot of people's dialogue because they had, but they had big, like, yeah. full dentures in. They had a whole mouthpiece in. Um, but, you know, these guys, they just had their little, like, tooth caps going on. But I don't know. I th- I definitely feel like, at least to me, that's just what I, you know, what I'm hearing. It sounds like he's got something in his mouth mm-hmm. that's not, you know, that he's not quite comfortable speaking with, you know. But that that's that's just me. But, um yeah, maybe they went in. Maybe they went in and they looped everybody else, or and he didn't want to, or I don't know. Maybe he just. I love his last scenes <clears throat> with Brad Pitt. I love when he goes back to the. So is this mm. the house that they lived in, or is this just some? It doesn't look like it because okay. they lived in a townhouse. Well, well, and also their townhouse just burned down. Yeah, they too, lived in so, a townhouse, and yeah. this looks like a like a haunted mansion. Like walking a, up to this you know. um, haunted mansion with all these dead rats. Yeah, just on the doorstep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Louis in this chair. Wheeling about. Right, yeah. Um, Wheeling about like Dr. Evil. (laughs) In this like leather office chair. Yeah, no, that's a a good scene. Um, Louis in the 80s. Uh, It's... I mean, I'm assuming the scenes with Christian Slater are supposed to be the present. Sure. Of 94. Supposed to be 94. Right? Okay. And I... But I think that him... Seeing Lestat, I thought that was the eighty. Well, he's walking on a tequila sunrise. Yeah, he's walking on a tequila sunrise. What so year? Like, That's the same. What scene, year did right? tequila sunrise come out? The eighties. I think tequila sunrise like 89, 88. 88. 88. That's Kurt Russell. Um, tequila sunrise is Mel Gibson, Kurt Russell, <gasps> Gibson. and Michelle Pfeiffer. Ooh, wow! What a combo. Yeah, what a cast. Ralph Julia. Okay. All right. I think they only put that on the marquee because it has the word sunrise in it. Sure. Well, and also <laughs> the first movie that he watches is uh, Monroe's Sunrise, too. Like the, the silent movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then we see him watching Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind, Superman. Yeah. Louis loves going to the movies. I love that. And... Tequila Sunrise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he loves Mel Gibson. <laughs> is there actually a sunrise depicted in the movie Tequila Sunrise? I'm sure there is somewhere. There's <laughs> just a lot of the actual the drink. <laughs> okay, so now that we've kind of are winding down our discussion on inter- interview with the vampire, okay. we watched, like we mentioned before, Queen of the Damned right after this movie. Probably not the best idea to go from Neil Jordan's interview with the vampire to <laughs> 2002's Queen of the Damned. Right. Right. I don't think I have ever sat down and properly watched it. And boy, my attention span was was like I was struggling to pay attention to what it, was going it's on. It's a mess, mama. So, I mean, the book is crazy. I mean, the book is crazy and probably just unadaptable to a movie. I think that probably what they should have done early on of we are going to make some artistic choices of that. We are going to not necessarily throw out the story of the book, Mm -hmm. but I think that we have to create our own narrative for this movie. Right. That is going to be a little more. I think that's what they did. Cohesive to a story. Did they? Yes. Because no, because Uh, the book is broken down into like parts and each part is kind of like like episodic narrative from like a different person's perspective. But then I think it keeps going back to the beginning. I don't know. 
It's wild. I could just imagine being There's an executive at Warner Brothers, probably looking at this movie and being like, well, what else did you get with Aaliyah? <laughs> like, she's only in maybe 10 minutes of this movie. <laughs> like, what else did you get? Because I got news for you. We can't go back and reshoot more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, and not only is Queen of the Damned, the book, crazy long and kind of weirdly plotted, not very narrative that would lend itself to a movie. So All those strikes are against it. On top of all that, they're like, you know what? We're also going to throw in a bunch of chapters from the interview of the van- from from the vampire, the vampire Lestat. Lestat, a whole other book. Yeah, I was trying to think: is there any version of this movie that I could have remotely seen Tom Cruise in? And I'm like, no, 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 no. That and that's that's the problem, you know, when it comes to the Vampire Chronicles. It's like a property, and saying, like, okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna make more of these. The Vampire Lestat is we- fucking weird. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually finished the vampire list up. Um, I've tried reading it numerous times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they get crazier and crazier. That's the thing. They get crazier and crazier. So it's like they just become harder and harder. How many did you read? Two adapt. Three. Just the three. Okay. Yeah. Um, after Queen of the Damned was so long and so just like, ugh, I can't believe I got through it. Uh, yeah. So it's new metal in the movie, which I don't want to make any like judgments on new metal. I do. Not my I thing, do. but <laughs> listeners, if you love that, because you know what's funny is that I've been mentioning this movie to friends and coworkers, and a lot of the times they say, I fucking love that soundtrack. And I kind of look at them like, Excuse me? But I don't know. <laughs> I love a lot of like different types of music myself. So there's one song. To each their like, own. Okay, this one's okay. What is the music from the book? They just say it's a rock band. And is it one of those things that this is Anne Rice, like a 45-year-old lady writing about music that young people are listening to? Yep. They just say it's a rock band. Mm -hmm. They never really say. It's like, it sounds like anything. Um, Yeah. Uh, Is it that Deftones song? I think it's that Deftones song. I think it's Change. Yeah. I think that's the one that's like, I kind of like... Um, but yeah, Static X, Disturbed, Papa Roach, Marilyn Manson. It was a moment. Yeah. Early 2000s. Yeah. And then, and you know what? I guess people like corn. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Davis. He had a big hand in the, in the movie soundtrack. Yeah. He did the vocals for Lestat. Does it age all that well? Up for debate. I mean, if it was up to me. Would I have driven a dump truck full of money up to Billy Corgan's house and said, "Hey, could you imagine? We're doing could you we're doing a Queen of the Damned movie, and I need you to write all the music for the for the Vampire Lestat's band. Here's and your I need blank check. You to sing all the vocals, William Corgan. Oh my God, will you do this? That for would me? have been incredible, bitch. That would have worked. But I'm just saying. What do I know? <laughs> I'm not directing movies in the in the early 2000s. I should have been. How do we feel about that idea? Was genius. Um, how do we feel about Aaliyah's performance? I think it's good, but I think there just needs to be more. Yes, like she needs more to work with. I want to see. I want to see flashbacks. She, okay, so she is not an actress. 
she's a she's a, a musician. She a was per- getting there though. A performer. Like she was she was starting to do movies. Romeo was bleeding. No. Romeo must die. Romeo must die. Romeo is bleeding is Lee Nolan, who's also in this movie. <laughs> um and the character is a five thousand year old head vampire mother mother queen bitch vampire. So she's doing a lot of like Yeah. Gestures. Big eyes, big hands. I mean, many a jazz hands. Many a drag performance. I mean, was yes. inspired by this role. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I told this story in the in our original episode. Maybe I did. Maybe did we talk about Queen of the Dams? I don't think we. did. I don't think we did. Uh, I the first drag show I ever saw was at Oz in Buena Park, and there was an Akasha performance. And I'm pretty sure it was Raja. <gasps> Raja Gemini. Yes. I mean, it, I mean, Buena I was with, I was with Ray and Jen. It was probably a, and I was it was like, probably Raja. And I was like, what is? Yeah, it was Oz in yeah. the park. So uh, her and Delta. We yeah, talked about Oz. Yeah, yep. it was. Yeah, uh, dr- all the way out to damn Orange County. Um, it was fun. It was a fun, cute. The club was cute. Good drinks. You know, that was a drag show. Uh, and yeah, there was an Akasha. And I remember there were tall. Thin and just like had the whole look and everything, and I was like, "Oh, that's cute." They're doing a little Queen of the Damned look. I kind of love that. And then, yeah, years later, I'm remembering it, going, "Was that Raja that I saw in 2002 or whatever?" Probably like, what year did that movie come out? 2001, February 2002. February 2002. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think that when she's on screen, I'm just like, "Wow, this is cool." Yes. I love it. Something's Great casting. working. Great casting, you know? Um, and it's just kind of a bummer as they were making this movie that they didn't realize that in the moment and just start writing her more scenes. Right. And yeah. I get that, like, making movies is complicated of, like, yeah. Yeah. how much of the script was done before she signed on, right, right. how much of it were they probably writing in the moment as they were filming it. Who knows? I'm sure that the production of this movie was a mess. I think the flashbacks would have been a whole other yeah ball of wax because it's mm-hmm. like now we're in like ancient you know pre-egyptian i think it's just the thing with watching the movie that i'm so not invested in lestat and um what hot american summer yeah marguerite marguerite monroe yeah that like i just really don't care yeah yeah no i agree i agree <laughs> yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. But but all her stuff is cool. There's some fun vampire stuff in it. But yeah, all the Aaliyah stuff is it's the best parts. Um, but yeah, I mean, the whole idea of just like, I'm the vampire Lestat, and I've been buried in the dirt for all these years. I'm awoken by a new metal garage band. I'm awoken by a new metal garage band. Thank God they're all good looking. Yeah, who are practicing in my old... He said it was his old house, but again, what house is this? I don't know. Um, the house that Louis found him in, maybe. But yeah, good thing they're all cute, because he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the new singer of your band," and they're like, "Oh, your voice is mesmerizing." And what else <laughs> I find wild about this material is that the entire world knows that Lestat's a vampire. Well, I don't think we believe him. Okay, I, he, so that's he's his just gig. he's it's just this stick. he's just this kooky lead singer of this new metal band that says that he's a vampire. Because all the because all the journalists at the at the press conference are just like, well, that, aren't the other vampires mad at you? Like they're playing along, rolling their eyes. Yeah, I think that the, I think I think unless that the idea is that they really do believe it. I don't know. 
But it's kind of a crazy story. So, mm-hmm. but that's all. That's all the books. So. Consider this our Queen of the Damned episode. <laughs> yeah, I think our hot take is that uh, they should have got Billy Corgan to do the music. I wonder if they'll ever eventually. I mean, I suppose that if the interview, if the Vampire Chronicles is successful for uh-huh. multiple seasons, that uh-huh. they're eventually going to have to do a Katya. Yeah, I don't maybe. Know. I, think, I don't know. I think they're just going to do enough seasons to get interview done because mm-hmm. it starts getting cuckoo it starts getting cuckoo bananas and i don't, see, I don't getting... see this lestat like singing like sure serenading these like i mean they'll punk, probably just start to do original seasons with the characters and just make up own their own adventures Ooh, that'll get wild i don't know if they'll do that they're doing the they did the mayfair witches which is another Kind of in universe. Oh, that's right. Uh, did you read series. any of the Mayfair Witcher? No, but my Witches? sister, my sister yeah, did. Amy she was. Really them, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I didn't get. I didn't get I Anne was Rice had such a. Anne Rice had such an interesting career. Of she like, was turning her, them and burning creative them. Creative phases. Was turning them I mean, and I remember that like, there was a boom. time where she found Jesus, and she pretty much wrote like <laughs> Bible the novel that that <laughs> followed of, Jesus. Yeah, that. she did a Jesus book. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. She she wrote. Erotica, mm-hmm. I mean, the Sleeping Beauty books. I remember those books were a big deal when they were out. Yeah, that's the erotica. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> the aforementioned. Yeah, she she's got a lot of uh, she's got a story in her heart, and she's just like, yeah ready mm. to tell it. <laughs> uh, neither of us have read any uh, Christopher Rice. Yeah, yet, mm-hmm. but you know. Come on the show, Christopher Rice. Time. Yeah. We'd love to talk to you about it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Anne Rice, she gave us so much with these books. I mean, I think that she just has such a special relationship with the LGBT yeah, um, community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that uh, this story and this, and this movie are very important for you know for the time that that this that this movie was released it was just like a matter of time for it to be for it to become a motion picture and then it did and then for the longest time there was talk about getting picked up by studios getting dropped again getting picked up again getting dropped again and then finally now we have the the series i mean i remember talking about the Vampire Chronicles as a TV show when True Blood was airing. They're eventually going to have to do the Vampire Chronicles as a TV show. And isn't that going to be cool? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and yeah, now we have it and we're, you know, we're getting, we're getting ready for season two. We're gearing up. I think it's going to be very interesting where they take it. I'm, I'm uh, very uh, optimistic and hopeful because I yeah. think season one was really good. So I I'm really would like to see, uh, they really beefed up the character of Louie. Yeah. In the on the TV show. Yeah, I love I He's love, more interesting. I love how they're portraying Louie mm-hmm. in the in this show. Um quick question. Yes. If you were a vampire, <laughs> what vampire universe would you want to live in? Oh, good question. I think that one of the benefits of something like True Blood is that you can sort of have a semi normal life because everybody knows about you. Sure. But that world, I mean, there's a lot of like Politics involved yeah, with yeah. all of that too. They so. came out of the coffin. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know. Good question. I think that I would have to pick Anne Rice. Yeah, if I, I like had to her, do one. I like her rules too. Mm-hmm. I think you can make it work. You know, gothic and romantic. I think if you're smart, you can figure it out. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I like her rules, and I think that there's some, like, it's not explicitly in there, but I think the whole, like, glamour thing is still there. So you can you can, you can can go about, like, making some dough, getting a nice place to live, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> getting your shit together. And then just pull a whole, pull a, you know, pull a Death Becomes Her and just, like, change your identity every, like, few years and mm-hmm. then move on. <laughs> we just, um... We just watched Dark Shadows, and I like Angelique. Yes, when Angelique is walking in her boardroom, yeah. and you see all of her, all of her ancestors through the years, through the years. Yeah, and it's all her. Mm-hmm. It's all her. Yeah, love that. Yeah, you can do that. You can pull that off. I love it. She's so fierce in that movie. <laughs> Badass bitch, <laughs> Eva Green. Hey, in Dark people, Shadows. Dark people give Dark Shadows a lot of shit. Uh, if HBO Max app is to believe is to be believed, it's, it's in their top it, ten. It's been in the top ten for over a month. <laughs> so just because it's Halloween, yeah, I've 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 loved this uh, these characters for a long time, and um, I'd love to revisit the books. But we have our nice hardback. That I got at Barnes and Noble. That I oh, the first of all three. That's yeah. right. Oh my god, that's so huge. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll give it a shot. But I think I have my little paperbacks. But um, well, this was a lot of fun. I think that our late fees series <laughs> can be is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, this is just going to be something that we're just going to do every few months. Revisiting a classic, revisit a classic movie that we've done that we want to talk more about. Absolutely, I think that we did a good job of not repeating ourselves too much. You know, I was looking at the date of our first interview with the vampire episode that uh-huh. we did with my friend Darcy. Uh-huh. Oh, we did that shit April of 2020, so that was wow. like in the dark times of the <laughs> pandemic. That was when we were just kind of figuring out <laughs> Zoom and Zoom calls and FaceTime and doing it on the podcast. That was when we were like, and do we need a bidet? Like, do we some really the, need a bidet? Some of the audio, when you re-listen to those episodes, yeah. is a little crunchy. Well, also, our Wi-Fi in that apartment was very crunchy, so <laughs> it's a lot better now that we're, now that we're over here. But, um, yeah. Yeah, that, that was that was that was a time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to do a couple more of these late fee episodes. This was a lot of fun. Late fee. That was um, I got that idea from Ashley Cassidy from Keep It Weird. Oh, Thanks, well, Ashley. Oh, thank you very much, Ashley. You're awesome. Always coming through with the great ideas mm-hmm. that we can steal. I mean, borrow from. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I guess we should. Uh, Let's wind things down, ra- Pete. It's it getting up. late here. Absolutely. I had to do a full night of work, and I came home right to record. Oh my goodness! Well, you know, you know how it goes. We uh, everything for the show. Let's pull up uh, some Patreon shoutouts. Wait, I wasn't gonna say it yet because I was gonna say Patreon shoutouts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're going to pull up some patrons. All right. We're going to say hello to all of our wonderful patrons. And that includes Tammy and Roberto and Brett, Tren, Daisy, Kelly, Chrissy, Stephen, Jake, Desiree, Laura, Thomas, Lori, Brenna, Jessa Rabbit, Lawrence, Alexis, Thomas, Millie, Ted, Benny, Jabil, Melanie, Susan, JJ, Amy, Shelby, Jamie, Drew, Genevieve, Dawn, Joshua, Emily, Millie, Aaron, Jessica, Nick and Shannon, uh, Christine, and Rufino. Thank you for being 
You guys. We have some fun stuff going on the Patreon. We are doing our television episodes. We just posted the My So-Called Life Halloween episode. Yes, indeed. We're going back and revisiting some television that had a big effect on us. Uh, If you have any requests for... uh, TV shows that you'd like us to cover or uh, commentaries that you'd like us to tackle on the Patreon, uh, head over to patreon.com slash movies that made us gay and leave us a message. You can also message us at movies that made us gay at gmail.com. But Patreon has a lot of uh, really fun supplemental and bonus uh stuff on there we've got over 30 commentary tracks we've got lots of uh we've got a whole season of drag race all-stars that we recapped we've and we're starting with the new tv series so uh check it out patreon.com slash movies that made us gay that's at least kind of two bonus episodes a month with the television and commentary commentary yeah uh yeah so check that out we'd also love it if you would rate and review the show uh if you are on apple Podcasts or spotify you can give us a five-star rating and if you're on apple Podcasts, you can write a review yeah uh if you have an iphone the apple podcast app comes pre-installed just open up podcasts search movies that made us gay and write us a nice review. We'll read it on an upcoming episode. Um, if And then you can go ahead and follow the show. Give us a follow. Uh, likes, comments, all that stuff really helps for visibility. And um, it actually does make a difference. So just like on our social media, like on our Instagram. Likes, comments, uh, reposting, all that stuff really helps for us to get recognized. And our, our Instagram is where we are the most active. We're coming up on 3,000 followers, you guys. It's going to be a big milestone for us. Uh, that's going to be any day now. We're going to get to three 3K. So tell your friends. Just, you know, liking, commenting, and reposting. That really helps. So so do that over on Instagram. We're at Movies That Made Us Gay. Also on Facebook. And um, we are on but not as active on uh, Twitter, X, Threads, and Blue Sky. We're at MTMUG Pod. You can go ahead and follow our personal accounts. I'm Scott Youngballer on Instagram and follow my letterbox. I'm Peter at Peter Lasagna on Instagram and just follow Scott's letterbox because I'm pretty much watching all the same movies. So check us out. Until next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.